Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. We're so glad that you're joining us on live stream or listening by our podcast or through YouTube, YouTube, whatever avenue you're doing. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, We are going to be looking at our first hero of faith, and that is Noah. He's our very first one. Um, Just to kind of give you a little backdrop here. So this year, our vision for our church is living by faith. And, um, you know, that's important because the Bible makes it very clear it's impossible to please God without faith. So that's why we're talking about faith this year. And we're going to be developing all year long this whole context of faith as it applies in our own personal lives and Obviously, I'm not going to take time to read the story of Noah. Um, Most all of us know it. If you don't know it, then I do encourage you to go read it because it is a very uh, intriguing and interesting uh, story that uh, God gave Noah to do. I mean, God called him to build this massive boat that would save mankind, humanity, and all living creatures from a cataclysmic flood that would cover the earth. I don't know, you know, I don't know what you think about when you think of Noah, but, but obviously I think most people think, you know, big boat, lots of water, and um, months of mooing, clucking, and barking. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, just like being in that big boat, man, hey, that's a DIY project right there like no other. You DIYers out there, you don't have nothing on Noah. This guy had the world's most massive do-it-yourself project out of anyone, so it's just crazy. I think about Noah's wife being in that boat with all those smelly animals. That's probably where potpourri got invented. You know what I'm saying? I've always thought that was really interesting. Who ever thought of putting a bunch of wood chips in a basket and making it smell good? And I thought, that's probably Noah's wife. She's probably the one that did that. Noah, if I smell this one more night, I'm about to lose my mind. So... Anyway, Noah was given uh, by God a, a very huge task, and so, I w- w- you know, let's just look at Noah. Let, I think there's a lot that we can learn from this man. So, in uh, Genesis chapter 5, we do see that Noah is the 10th generation from Adam in the line of Seth, and Noah's father was Lamech, or Lamech, however you pronounce that, And he gave Noah his name, which is associated with rest. I mean, literally, if you look up the name Noah, that name means rest. And basically, you know, resting in the hope that one day, you know, there would be relief from the curse that came over mankind through the fall. That was the hope that they had, and so Noah was given this name. But if you look in Genesis chapter 5, if you want to go there, and I'm kind of battling my throat tonight, so just be patient with me. Genesis 5, verse 28, when Lamech was uh, 182 years old, he had a son. Woo, can we just think about that? I mean, wow. You talk about passing out. He named him Noah, and he said, He will comfort us 
In the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground, the Lord has cursed. And after Noah was born, his father lived 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Altogether, he lived a total of 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It was a different world in those days, let me tell you. I can't even imagine living that long. You know, I talk to people that have lived to be like 85 or 90, and and they'll be like, I'm just ready to go see Jesus. And I'm kind of starting to understand why they say that at 57. I'm thinking about living to 777. Whoa. Well, Genesis chapter 6 talks about Noah lived in a day in which humanity is described as wicked. As a matter of fact, uh, verse 5 and verse 11, 12, 13, all around in there, it says it was a day when the earth was corrupt, the earth was filled with violence. Um, it, It was ultimately a day when God finally said, enough is enough, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And God promised that he would destroy the earth and all living creatures with a worldwide flood. And um, that's when he came to Noah. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 6, around verse 8, one of the most significant things we're told about Noah is that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. And uh, this is why Noah is characterized as a righteous man. And the Bible characterizes him as a righteous man blameless in his generation, someone who walked with God. So, you know, he is an unusual person for his day and time because the Bible describes the whole earth as being this wicked place full of violent things. And in the New Testament, if you look at 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness. He says he's a preacher of righteousness. So the years when Noah was building the ark, um, you know, it revealed God's patience with wicked mankind because it took, it took Noah years. Now, I'm not talking about a couple of years. I'm talking about multiple, I mean, years and 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 years to do this. So you just think about the patience of God with wicked people. And I just think that right there tells us so much about God's heart and God's nature. And um, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus also saw the days of Noah as characterizing the days that immediately precede his second coming. And so one of the things that Jesus describes, he says, you know, uh, when I return, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. People will be getting married, they'll be going out shopping, they'll be raising their children, it'll be life as normal. Because see, this flood caught everybody totally by surprise. I mean, it just wiped them out and they had no idea that, you know, what was going to happen for the majority of people that were affected by this, Um, except Noah, obviously, because he found favor in God's sight because of his faith in God. Now, go to Hebrews chapter 11, and obviously we'll be spending a lot of time in Hebrews this year, as uh, this is really 10, 11, and 12 really are joined together so much. 
but Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, <clears throat> most of us have all heard this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, these elders are, some translations say, people of old. These are who we are going to be talking about in this Heroes of Faith series. Now, Hebrews 11.6, if you go down a couple of verses, it says, Without faith in the promises of God, it is impossible to please Him. So, faith plays a vital role in our connection with God, in our relationship with God. It is the foundation by which God builds upon our relationship with Him. So, faith is like so, so vitally important for all of us. As a matter of fact, if you want to go back to Hebrews chapter 10, flip back a page or slide your phone back a page to uh, verse 38 of chapter 10, and it says, now the just shall live by what? Help me. Faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So Noah is a perfect example in history of redemption because he is an example of those that are justified by faith. The just shall live by faith. Noah was a man of faith. He lived by faith. Now, the next point I'm going to make is important that we get. So the evidence or proof of Noah's genuine faith is seen in his trusting of God. Trusting in the promise that God said, here's what I'm going to do, Noah. I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. Now, this is what you need to do. So, uh, it's just important that we look. See, he acted in obedience to God's command. He responded to what God said in building this ark. Now, let's go back to our definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the, help me substance of things hoped for it is the evidence of get this things not yet seen things not yet seen so what evidence did noah have to go on when god asked him to build the ark noah had never seen anything that resembled a flood as far as we know we, we don't a global flood because it had never happened so he had no concept in his mind about even what that looked like when God came to him. All Noah had to go on, get this, was the truth of God's character. That's it. Because he had never seen this. See, this is one of those things not yet seen, right? And that's Hebrews chapter 11. That, that's the whole thing what it's talking about. So Noah's faith is really illustrated in the fact after being warned by God that a great flood would be coming, he made practical preparations for something not yet seen. So let me just give you an example. I remember years ago, God laid in my heart building a home. Now, I'm talking 17 years ago. Things not yet seen. Not yet seen. I didn't have the land. I didn't have the money, I didn't have the wisdom, I didn't have the maturity, I didn't have any of that. Not yet seen. But I, 
I felt in my heart that that's what God spoke to me at a pastor's conference. Well, even way before that, that was spoken, and, and I grabbed hold of that, and that's what I felt like God said to me. And so here we see Noah, he obeyed God, not only because he knew God in a personal way, and that's important that we do, but also because his faith was acting on God's promise no matter how foolish it may seem to him in the natural. Because it seemed like an impossibility. I remember Tim, our lead pastor, coming to me when my wife and I were early in our married life. And she was, at, as a matter of fact, she was pregnant with our second child. And he mentioned about a house across the street that was for sale. And, and I went over there and inquired about it. And, and I knew he probably had to do some homework because he, he knew the people well. <clears throat> and uh, he mentioned to me about looking into that house. And I went over there and asked him, asked him how much it cost. And they told me, and I was thinking, well, he knows how much he pays me. I don't know how he thinks I'm supposed to be able to get this place. I mean, that was my first thought, you know. But, but through a, a transaction of events, because I was so disappointed and discouraged because it was just way out of my league in my mind. It was like a pipe dream. I remember Tim walking by my office one day, and he kind of saw me looking pitiful, I guess. <laughs> What's wrong? I said, man, Nothing. No, what's wrong? Ah, uh, you know, it's this house over there. This is how much they want for it. And, you know. <laughs> David came back and gave me a great deal for, like, owner finance it and, and, a, and a down payment. Well, the down payment was way out of my comprehension, much less the whole house. I was just like, there's no possible way. And... One of the things he, I don't know, he said a lot of things to me, I'm sure, but the only thing that I remember was him saying, there's a way, you just have to find it. And I don't know, you got to be listening, listen, you got to be listening for the Holy Spirit when he's talking to you. And if you're not walking in a bunch of sin in your life and you're connected with God, God will highlight things like a yellow marker or 3D. That thing went off in me and I just knew that was, that was it. That was what was going to happen. So see, Noah acted in faith in what God said, nothing more. Things not yet, help me, seen, right? Nothing more. That's, that's all Noah had. He obeyed God not only because he knew him in a personal way, but because he was acting on faith on God's promise, no matter how foolish it may seem to everybody around him. So Noah was entering into a territory of things not yet seen. And that, that is where God is always going to take his kids. So you just have to know that when you sign up in a relationship with Jesus Christ, God is going to lead you on an adventure of things not yet seen. Can I have an amen? Now, for those of you that like the roller coaster, you're all excited. For those of you that like the merry-go-round, you're terrified. I just kind of like the... No, I like... Ah, you know, it, it depends on what you are. And as we see in the series, God's going to lead men and women into that territory of things not yet seen. This is where God has led and will continue to lead his people forever. 2 Corinthians 5.7 
This is a good one. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And here we see Noah is a model and a clear example of what faith looks like. Noah's faith in God's promise saved him and his family. Noah's faith in God's promise saved him and his family. Noah's faith in God's promise, not in the ark, but in God's promise. This is before the ark was even built. Are we seeing this? And see, his obedience to trust God, even though it didn't make a lot of sense in the natural, because I'm sure it didn't make a lot of sense in the natural to him, that's what positioned Noah to experience God's best for his life, for Noah to walk into the plans and the purposes that God had for his life. Now, was it easy? To the contrary, it was a lot of work. I'm glad I didn't know how much work was going to go into doing some of the things that I had to do in my life before I did them because I probably wouldn't have done them. See, God gives you dreams, but then you got to visioneer the dream. And the thing that carries you through the original vision and the end result is your faith in God's promise. Some of you... The only reason you're here is you, you came here by faith. You packed up everything you had and you went to a land that you did not know, just like Abraham. You came to church with people you didn't know, to a place that you didn't know. You just by faith just stepped out and, and came here. I remember in 1988, I didn't know anybody here. I had just gotten saved. I had a brochure laid on my chest of drawers about our internship here. And it went off in my heart, and I said, that's where I'm going. I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what they were doing. All I know is I saw that brochure, and that's where I'm going. It's like Abraham, you know, like God leading Abraham, right? So <clears throat> genuine faith is always proven through works. See, faith isn't just a pipe dream. Faith is a verb. Faith is acting upon God's promise. Isn't that what the scripture said? Faith without works is dead. So the ark was God's way of salvation from the coming judgment in Noah's day. Today, however, Jesus is God's way of escape from the coming judgment. Jesus is our ark. I mean, that's what Jesus is. And, and Jesus says, I am the door by which you will enter. So he, he is that ark, and, and, but all of that is done by faith. See, Noah, he was taken into an ark by faith. He was baptized in water by faith, and he, and he delivered mankind by, all by faith in what God promised. This is God's pattern. This is how God moves. See, this is why we're talking about faith this year. We want to elevate you to a place in the spirit where you are a man and woman who lives by faith in God's promise. And let me tell you, if you can come to that place, your life will enter a whole nother dimension. Now, will it be easy? No, it won't be easy. But you're not going to, listen, nobody ever coasted up to their dream. Nobody. It is an uphill climb. 
But God does that for your good. If we just sat around on a couch all day long eating, eating bonbons and watching TV, we'd swell up and die. I mean, it wouldn't take long either. I mean, that's just what God does. So let, let, let's look at Noah again. Noah became an heir of righteousness because of his willingness to believe what God had promised. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, you know, it talks about because, you know, faith takes us into Christ who is the heir of all things. Christ is the heir of all things, Hebrews 1, 2. And, and we can only inherit that righteousness by being united with Jesus, okay? We are united with Jesus by faith. I've never seen Jesus. You've never seen Jesus. We believe Jesus by faith. That, that's our position. So the people that the writer of Hebrews is addressing, and if you read the whole letter, you know, obviously it's, the 12 tribes and, and their Jewish people that are being written to, you know, they were under a lot of pressure to give up Christ and go back to their traditional Jewish beliefs. They were under a lot of pressure to go back to just living by the law. And, and the writer here, he says, listen, consider Noah. Take a look at Noah. While you're thinking about going back, just take a look at Noah and look what his faith brought to him because this is how God wants you to live and just think of what it took for Noah to be righteous in his generation I mean that's just crazy to think what that took of that man I mean he constructed an ark for the saving of his family for years he endured a world consumed with wickedness it talked about him preaching and preaching and preaching and, and nobody's listening you know at all and I, and I just think about that. I mean, he had to trust in God's promise, build something without even knowing what it was going to look. I mean, it just didn't make sense. It didn't. And, and, you know, when God asked me to move here, it didn't make sense. There's going to be things that God asks you to do that doesn't make sense. It's just part of it. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. This is where we find our encouragement when we find ourselves in a place of faith that doesn't make sense. Listen to this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, Noah's up there. <laughs> He's one of them. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor at God's throne. So we have to put our same trust in God as Christ put his trust in God. Listen, there are going to be times where you may be in school or you may be in college and you feel like you're the only Christian there. I mean, you feel like there's not anybody that's a Christian. That's when you're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to have faith in the promise that God's with you. You're going to have to have faith in the promise that God is your ever-present help. You're going to have to have faith in the promise that God will bring friends into your life because God will answer your prayers as you pray. You know, there's going to be times you may be in a job surrounded by people who don't believe in God, and by faith you're going to have to let your light shine, believing that God's going to use you in some, in some way, in, someone, in someone's life. I remember being so much younger and 
being in the air conditioning refrigeration business, and I've told this story a few different times, but I just think it's such a good illustration of working with a lot of guys who were not saved. I worked with a lot of guys my age when I was in my mid-20s who were not saved and told all the dirty jokes and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I just, just, I was a newborn Christian. I'd only been living for Christ for a couple of years and was here in Hot Springs. And um, the guy that I worked with, he lived with his girlfriend. Well, I knew what that was all about because I lived with two girlfriends. So, you know, I, I, that didn't bother me. I just, I knew what God had done in my life, and I just let my light shine by the, in front of this guy. Well, I had that job there for, oh, probably a year and a half, and God opened up an opportunity for me in, a, in another job, a better job. And, um, you know, I went, on, I went my separate ways, and several years passed. I got a phone call one night, and um, this, this guy that I had worked with and hadn't seen for a number of years called me up. And I was like, you know, it's kind of small talk, talk about the weather, da-da-da, and him hauling around. I was like, well, hey, you didn't call me to talk about the weather. What's going on? And he said, well, he said, um, I had to call you. He said, I got saved tonight. You were the first person I wanted to call. I mean, how do you know? But see, that, that's, that's why it's so important that you live out your faith and you trust in where God has you in your life. You know, the... the, the Account of Noah and the flood teaches us about the, re the reality of alienation from the world, sometimes scoffing that comes from it. I remember those guys scoffing at me, making jokes. You know, they'd be telling dirty jokes, and they'd kind of scoff. Hey, hey, Connor, you might want to get out of here because, you know, we're about to talk some jokes, you know, just kind of making fun. Sometimes your faith will cost you a lot, but the reward... It's priceless. I mean, think about it. Number one, the salvation of your soul, eternity with God. I mean, when we think about this momentary light affliction that we experience, whatever hardship you may be going through, you got to know that there's going to be a reward for your faith. Hebrews says, those that come to God must believe that he is. That's faith because he is not yet seen. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently pursue him. So, Faith is trusting God in the difficult moments. Faith is trusting God in the moments that don't make much sense. Faith is being obedient and following God by stepping up and doing the right thing, even though it might cost you personally. It might cost you a friendship. It might cost you family members. It might cost you a job. It might cost you um, ungodly money. Any, any number of things. See, faith is staying with a job even when everything within you wants to quit. I remember being in a job one time. I wanted to quit so bad, I hated that job. I could not stand that job. And God would not release me from that job because the little faith voice inside me said, S-T-A-Y. This is your season to S-T-A-Y. You stay. You do not leave. And it didn't make sense. But it did years later when I got that phone call. It made all the, it made all the sense in the world. And I was like, I'm so glad I put my faith and my trust in what God was telling me to do, not in what my feelings and my emotions were compelling me to do. Can I have an Amen. 
Faith is forgiving someone who hurt you and doesn't deserve forgiveness, but your spirit is prompting you to forgive. That's what faith is. Faith is being obedient to that inner urging that says you need to pay someone's electric bill or you need to put tires on their car or you need to go help them out or you need to give them a phone call or you need to go minister to them. See, that's what faith looks like as we're being led by the, by the Lord. Faith is trusting in God with a hurt or a disappointment or a loss or a tragedy that just incapacitates you. But by faith, you put your confidence in God's promise that he will be there for you, that he will empower you, that he is your healer, that he is your provider, that he is your banner of peace. Amen. So you put your faith in that. And this is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. This is what we're going to be talking about this year. Peter in his first letter, I mentioned he calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness. Well, what kind of preacher was he? You know, as I think about Noah, and there's so, so many things that we could talk about, and we're just limited on time because we're just really going to kind of highlight these different characters. But when I think about Noah and the message that his life sent. I think this was his message as a preacher. A great flood is coming. God's going to judge this world. And everyone who believes and acts by entering the ark will be saved. And you know, the interesting thing about the ark, there was only one door. There was only one way in. You couldn't go through a window. There wasn't any kind of escape hatch there wasn't any other way there was only one door and one way in and everybody that accepted the invitation would be saved but everyone that accepted the invitation to be saved had to enter through the one door on that ark and we have a very similar message as we approach the last days and I've I, you know I've heard people say we live in the last days since I've been born I mean literally since I've been born I've heard it my whole life and I'm not saying that we're not I mean you know the Bible says a day to God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I mean, in other words, that, and that's not numerology. You know, don't get caught up in that. That's not even what that's about. It's just saying that, you know, the way God perceives things is very different than how we perceive things as far as measuring time. So we had to just have a very similar message as we approach the last days and we see the judgment of God coming and there's only one door by which mankind can enter and Jesus says, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me can be saved. But you have to put your faith in that door. You have to literally give yourself in faith to that door because you have not seen Jesus. So it's literally a faith position. I think that's the message that Noah the preacher preached. Well, what was Noah the preacher's life like? Well, it measured up to the message that he preached. And I think that's so important. Noah was a man who walked with God. And he preached not just with words, but with his life. The fact that Noah took God at his promise and then he began to build the ark proved that his faith was genuine. He didn't just say, Amen, God. I believe, amen, that's right, and then go out and keep living his life. 
and get destroyed by a flood. No. See, when he heard God's promise, that activated his faith, and he began to work out that faith. And that's what we're called to do this year is work out our faith. You know, what promise has God given you from his word? You work out that faith. See, Noah didn't just talk faith. He lived faith. Well, what was this preacher's example? Well, to me, I think probably the greatest example that I glean from Noah is perseverance. I just can't even comprehend or imagine. You know, Charles Spurgeon once said that by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. (laughs) Right? And we can learn from Noah's perseverance. I mean, this guy wouldn't give up. I I just think about it. I mean, I I literally, as I was putting this together, you know, I've had enough experience working on a farm, working with my hands, doing a lot of things, hard work. And I just think about Noah, chopping, cutting, hauling, sawing, hoisting, hammering, planning, preaching. And then start all over again tomorrow morning. And then the next day. And then the next day, and then the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, for decades, not weeks, not months, decades. Now, when I, when I look at this man, and I see how God called upon him to do something like this that didn't happen overnight, that immediately tells me the best promises are worth waiting for. The best promises are worth visioneering, working, working, working. And the thing is, we live in an age when everything needs to be instant. We don't like to wait for anything. We, you know, if we don't feel inspirational about it, we quit. I've just lost, I've just lost my inspiration. I just don't want to do that anymore. But that's not the kind of work that God's called us to. Because sometimes, you know, God may want you to pray for somebody and they get healed. I mean, instantly. God lays them on your heart and you pray for them and they get healed. Wonderful. Instant miracle. Awesome. We like that. But sometimes God asks you to look after somebody for the next 20 years as they struggle and go through a whole lot of ups and downs physically. Wonderful. Obey God. I took care of my ailing mother for years and years and years and years. And I prayed and I saw miracles happen, but then I also helped take care of her for a very long time. See, neither act is more spiritual than the other. And this is what, this is what we want our people, and if you're watching by live stream or listening by podcast, this right here is what is so important to get a hold of. And we want our people to get a hold of in our church. Neither act is more spiritual than the other. All that matters is your faithfulness and perseverance to what God has asked you to do. What has God asked you to do? Do it. And then lastly, what were the results of this preacher's preaching in his life? Well, (laughs) this is one of the craziest points to the whole story. Hmm. Was outside of his own family, nobody listened to Noah. Nobody got saved. Everybody perished. 
Noah was the pastor of a very, very small church, literally. Nobody outside his family entered that single door to be saved, but Noah faithfully persisted in what God had asked him to do despite what occurred or didn't occur. And it just reminds me as I close of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand, stand with me and let's close tonight in prayer. God, help us to walk and live by faith as we look at Noah and all these different characters that we're going to be looking at in this series, Lord. May they encourage us. May they convict us. May they challenge us. May they compel us, Lord, that our faith be genuine and real. Lord, grow us in our faith so that we can be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.